the main event. Episode six. Yeah. so far um it really really means a lot to me like I say small podcast all my own diamond stuff you know working off the backs of many and many i mean just me uh so hey um everybody's been tuning in hopefully last week you saw a vast improvement in the quality of the sound for the podcast and so i've been like racking my brain for weeks Every time I put something out, I'm doing something different, trying to figure out what it was, and it finally dawned on me. So when I record my podcast, I record it into a WAV file, and I turn it into an MP3 because it's easier for everybody to download. Well, the sound quality, I was making the MP3 file so small that it was distorting sound, and that was the sound in the background. So there. Um, Obviously, I, I record in a spare bedroom and i really don't have any furniture in here so there's that part of it when we talk about sound quality where it just kind of got a little echo to it um but the the wine and stuff hopefully that should be in fact uh, this week's episode will be uh, it won't be so condensed it'll actually be a step higher than last week so hopefully the sound quality will be everything that you need thanks for sticking through it um because hopefully we're going to bring you some great content today uh, to kind of build off of the momentum from last week and us really getting back into what the main event was really sponsored for, um, was started for, was uh, for leadership and mentorship and uh, life coaching type stuff. So we're going to try to cover all those bases today, uh, plus with a little social stuff in there. We're going to throw it all in and we'll let everybody uh, kind of get to it. So, hey. If you, it's the first time you're hearing us and you're trying to learn how to subscribe or uh, you want to let somebody else in on the uh, the joy of the podcast, have them check out the website, www.themaineventpodcast.com. You can pick up all the episodes there. There's links to all my social media. Uh, you can um, link, look for me on Facebook, 
on Twitter, on Instagram, all that stuff links back to the website. Uh, especially as I was trying to set up for my mom a couple of weeks ago because she wanted to listen to the podcast. She's like, well, your auntie is talking about the podcast. Hey, auntie, uh, thanks for listening. Because <laughs> that's where we are right now. We're, uh, we're, we're on family and friends right now. So uh, thanks for welcoming me into your house and stuff like that and uh, continue to keep up with me and, and seeing what good things we have to talk about. But um, the easiest thing is just to go to the website. You can actually subscribe there. Uh, the only thing you're going to get if you subscribe is notifications when I put out the podcast or a blog, anything. And I'm not really blogging anything. It's just the podcast notifications, really. When the episodes are out and links to them, it's just real easy. If you're having a hard time uh, trying to do it through iTunes or Google Play or whatever uh, podcasting uh, thing that you're using, because uh, we're, we're live on most of them. I've got to reapply to uh, tune in for whatever reason, but we'll get that taken care of. So, like I said, thank you for the support. It means a lot to me. Uh, you know, at one point I was, I was just happy because we were knocking on like uh, like 200 downloads and stuff, and I'm well over 300 downloads, almost close to 400 downloads now uh, for all my episodes and stuff. So, uh, thank you for the support. It means a lot to me. Again, I know there are bigger podcasts out there. And there are better ways for you to really spend your time. Well, that's questionable. Uh, there are other things that compete for your time. Hopefully, you keep coming back because uh, the entertainment value and there's also something good in the content that I provide for you. I wanted to uh, kind of take care of a couple of housekeeping things. Like So, uh, obviously, I try to come out every Friday. Last Friday, uh, Friday 13th, we missed that episode. Uh, extremely busy last week, and uh, thanks for people that called to check to say, hey, man, what's going on? I was looking for the podcast, and um, uh, granted, it was only like three of you, but it's three more than it was, <laughs> was before I started, so uh, hopefully if I could take a, another week off, I'll get a little bit more, uh, hey, where you at? I need that podcast, but uh, yeah, it was busy last week. Um, I ended up taking, uh, so I, for my little backstory, I've been uh, taking some real estate uh, classes, at a Superior School of Real Estate, uh, located out in Ballantyne, uh, North Carolina. Uh, so this past Monday, I had to take my test at Superior, and once uh, uh, you pass that test, then you can apply and take your state test. So I was studying all weekend and stuff. Um, I had my girls last weekend, and it was just a really, really busy weekend for me. And uh, so... I just really, <laughs> really didn't have the time, uh, or I just wasn't willing to make sacrifice that last weekend um, for the uh, little bit of time it takes me to put a podcast out. Um, but on the bright side of that, I did pass my test. There were 140 questions. I got 120 in right. Um, that's 85% for all the people out there who want to calculate what my success is. I had 75 to pass, uh, so I wasted 10 points. Uh, hopefully, I'll save those over for the state test. And uh, uh, here in a little bit, you'll be talking to a, a licensed broker in North Carolina. So, you know, just something else to add uh, to the resume and, you know, try to keep things going. Um, I got slowed down. I was actually thinking about putting out two episodes this week. Uh, I was actually kind of under the weather, slowed down. I, um, I had about a gout. Um, and you guys can look it up or whatever. But uh, my gout kind of comes from the fact that I only have one kidney. Uh, back in 2009, I was actually uh, diagnosed. I had uh, cancer, had a large tumor. Uh, in fact, when he finally got it out of me, it was like the size of a football. 
um, that was growing out of my uh, left kidney. So I have a rat- radical nephrectomy, and that is the only medical term that I'm comfortable using. Uh, <laughs> radical nephrectomy of my uh, my left kidney and stuff. So yeah, I um, I don't and uh, I, I get the the emails and the the stuff from uh, the cancer society and stuff, and I don't really consider myself a cancer survivor. Um, uh, I didn't really survive any, you know, I, I had cancer, um, and, but mine was not the same as other people in terms of how it was treated and, um, my prognosis and stuff like that. So, uh, luckily, uh, even though the tumor is very large and it obviously been growing for a while, it was still, um, uh, the body is amazing. Uh, that the, the tumor encapsulated the cancer um, and it didn't spread throughout the body. Um, so uh, I didn't have a, the round of treatment that a lot of people would have uh, for something like that. So uh, mine was pretty minimal. Um, so I, I kind of keep myself off the, uh, the survivor list. But, hey, there's your peek into uh, Jermaine for the week. And uh, why, if you ever meet me and, you know, he's like, Dad, why does that dude smiling? Because I, I absolutely appreciate the value of life and how short it really can be. And uh, so uh, just like the real estate stuff, I'm always trying to learn. I was trying to do something uh, better, trying to do something for my legacy and stuff. So hopefully this podcast kind of rolls into that, too. And um, speaking of rolling into, we're going to roll right into um, our leadership stuff for today. So last week, uh, we talked about what the four core values of leadership were. And we talked about the integrity, uh, transparency, uh, sincerity, and uh, selflessness. And uh, we we talked about how those things were important for you as a leader to have those core values, those four unwavering things there um, as your part of your leadership package and stuff. And so today what I really want to talk about is what is the price of leadership. How much does it cost? And I would really just go out on a limb and say that it costs everything. It, it could literally cost you everything. Um, if you look at uh, CEO of Amazon or uh, Steve Bezos, or you look at um, really any uh, Fortune 500 company, and you look at their CEO and their leadership and stuff, it's cost them everything. It's helped them rise above being in the middle of the pack to being some of the best companies in the world. So when I start talking about leadership and mentorship and my life coaching stuff, I, um, I talk to you from perspective that these things, even on a micro scale, even if you're not C-Basa, you don't own Amazon, you're not worth billions of dollars. If you have a small company with a few employees and you have bad leadership, it'll still cost you everything. More to prove and profit or more to lose. So that's why it's important that we start, when we talk about leadership, we recognize that there's a price associated with good and bad leadership. I think it's easy to kind of point out the bad and the good 
and uh, therefore I will take full advantage of being easy and point those things out to you. Um, but I think one of the things that uh, sometimes hard is for us to have a little uh, self-reflection and be able to see those things within ourselves, even if we have them. I have a good friend of mine. Um, for those who know me, I've been in the military for over 20 years. Um, I started off on active duty. I was in Dover, Delaware. I came back to Charlotte. Charlotte has a guard unit here. I joined the guard back in 2001. And I've been with North Carolina Air National Guard ever since then. Uh, converted from the C-5 aircraft, which is a large cargo uh, aircraft in the, uh, in the inventory for the U.S. Air Force. I uh, came down to the C-130. I uh, love the airplane, the airframe, the mission, everything about it. Um, in fact, uh, here in Charlotte, one of four units around the country that actually does aerial firefighting. Uh, that experience led me to an opportunity um, where I started working for a contractor uh, for the U.S. Forest Service who was looking to build their own uh, fleet of uh, C-130s, large air tankers, um, in the firefighting. So I actually uh, started working contract work with them in 2016, left my full-time job at the Air National Guard. And I've been doing that ever since. And um, one of my good friends in the whole whole experience out there, uh, Matt Ringland, great guy. Let me give a shout-out to Matt. He's a great guy. We were texting back and forth. I was actually out driving Uber. <laughs> and um, <clears throat> I hadn't had any really, really good Uber stories, but I will say to the young lady that left her panty in my, uh, in my back seat, uh, I threw them away. Um, so <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I was like, what are those? Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't know who they are or who they were, um, but they're gone now. But uh, so I was actually uh, texting back and forth with Matt. And um, Matt's like, hey, man, I listened to your podcast. thought it was awesome stuff. He's like, but, you know, I'm not really sure how I feel about it because I don't think I have your four core values. And what does that mean for me, my leadership and stuff? And I was like, dude, you are one of the most uh, stand-up guys that I know. So Matt's our, our pilot for the aircraft. He's our aircraft commander and stuff. And um, as I was telling uh, one of the uh, the higher-ups in the company uh, who came out um, it was last summer while we were out training, we're, I think we we're, were down in Southern California, um, and, uh, I told him, I said, Hey, you know, so this is different from military flying and military flying and military in general stuff. It's, uh, we're all, we're, we're, we're all uncle Sam's kids and he gave us the same clothes and you're going to play together whether you want to or not. It doesn't matter what your, your political views are or what your, uh, social views are and stuff. You're going to get together and, uh, and, uh, and in basic training, your TI, uh, teaches you one thing that the one thing. <laughs> That will unite people faster than anything. It's hate of one singular thing. So you hate your TI. You forget about those. You know, I don't care where you're from. Uh, we all have to stick together to overcome this one thing. And um, when you're doing anything in the military, you don't really have a choice because you kind of gave that away. You said you were going to do it. So there you go. I mean, that was your choice. Um, but one thing I was telling uh, uh, the the higher up in the company, we were talking about stuff, and I was telling them about Matt. I said, hey, look, here's the deal. I've, I've flown with guys over the years who uh, I didn't really care to fly with. I didn't really have a choice. I, I didn't care to fly with them. I didn't really trust them, and I, I, you know, I, I didn't know. Um, I said, but in this situation, this is a private company. I'm a 
contractor. And um, if I thought that there was any way that that man wasn't going to bring me back uh, to my kids, I wouldn't step on the airplane. I said, you don't have enough money. Uh, I literally trust a man with my life and therefore the future of my family. Um, so for him to tell me, man, I'm not sure about your core values. Let me tell you about this guy. Uh, when you want to talk about somebody who's a man of integrity, when you talk about somebody who's completely transparent for the, for good and bad, uh, because he absolutely will tell you what's on his mind. Uh, and he let our leadership know what was on his mind. He's very sincere. Um, and not from a standpoint of I'm better. I know better from the sincerity standpoint of this is how we get better. And um, he really put himself out there for the crew, and that was his selflessness um, because he cared about our situation, not just his situation. Um, he's a pilot. He could really go pimp himself out to the airlines and do anything. He stuck around and stood up for his guys on his crew that he was responsible for, and he took real, real uh, it wasn't anything, you know, he didn't show up every day with a cape, like, I'm going to save you guys and make sure you're in the best hands in the world. And that was never that kind of stuff. Um, but he a true professional. Um, I say all this about Matt, not because I know Matt listens. It's because um, a lot of times when we're looking around and people are talking to us about these things, they sometimes seem unachievable, unattainable, and unrelated to us. And so for a guy like Matt, who I think is a shining example of all those core values to tell me he didn't think he had not one of them, um, shows me that there's a point where we have to step back, take a breather and just understand that these things aren't hard to come by. And quite honestly, um, a lot of us possess these things. You know, eventually we'll talk about the difference between, you know, uh, natural leaders and uh, people who are shaped into leadership or situations that shape them into to leaders and stuff. And we can get into the psychology of it and, you know, you know what's the difference between um, a Hitler um, who was a great leader because he he because leadership is influence and he influenced a lot of people. Uh, the difference between that kind of leadership and, you know, maybe an Abraham Lincoln type of leadership. Um, and we can get all into that. And there's lots of stuff out there on that. And, and as this podcast goes on, we'll get into that. But on a very, very simple lower level, I think it's important for all of us to understand that leadership lies in all of us. All those things that I talked about, eh, they're not even really that fancy words because I'm not that I'm not a fancy word guy. Um, I'll let you know when I throw one out because it'll amuse me. Um, is you hadn't learned by now, I like to laugh at my own jokes. And I think it's funny if I use anything, but, uh, more than four syllables in it. In fact, I'm struggling right now to think of anything with more than four syllables in it, but it's important to know that leadership is inside every one of you. You all have the potential for it. And it's important because the price of it can be very heavy. Um, not just for yourself, but for your organizations and your people. And so when I was talking about the core values last week, these are core values that even if you don't 
innately have the only one I, I the only one I, I truly say that you just kind of got to be part of you is in sincerity. If, if you don't care, you don't care. Um, and I, I don't know how to make you care. Uh, because anything I do to make you care makes it seem like you're still insincere. You're just only caring for that reason. You don't truly care about the people that you're um, that you're charged with. So, you know, if you know Matt's only reason for landing the airplanes because he wanted to get back safely to his family, doesn't mean he really cared about me and my family. But that wasn't his only reason. Uh, he gave it his best effort each and every time because he cared about his crew. And that's that sincerity that you can't teach people. And a lot of times people don't even understand that within themselves. So, you know, as you take time through the week stuff, you know, hey, take a, a, a moment and uh, just pat yourself on the back and say, hey, I'm a good person and I really do care. Because a lot of you guys are really heavy on yourselves. And I'm telling you... Um, not only am I talking it, but I'm I'm going to be able to teach it to you. Because one of the things that we're talking about is this. This is the, going to be our foundation for leadership. And so as I'm uh, doing my real estate thing, I'm, I'm equating everything because that's what's on my mind right now. I'm equating everything uh, to real estate and to homes and stuff like that. So we're going to uh, say that these four are going to be our uh, our footers of our house. And we're going to pour a solid foundation and we're going to build this house. And what we're going to, we're going to say is, is that we're going to frame this house up and we're going to call it where leadership lives. I like that. Where leadership lives. And we're going to make a series out of it. So we already have our footers in place. So as we come in the coming weeks, I'm going to uh, develop this content for you. And you can mix it in and out of the comedy and the entertainment and the social stuff. But we're going to have the series where leadership lives. And this is where we're going to build our house of leadership. So we already have the footers down. So as we progress, we're going to go ahead and uh, pour concrete that solid foundation for our leadership. Then we're going to frame up the house. Um, we're going to put side and roof on it and we're going to put windows in uh, so we can see in and out of that house. And uh, as we go on and stuff, uh, <laughs> I hope to be able to put a deck on that house and we'll start uh, manicuring our lawn and making it really, really attractive. Um, so that's, that's going to be a series that we're, we're going to start. Uh, where leadership lives, and we're going to do it for the next couple of episodes, and we'll see how it is. You know, part of the reason I started this podcast is because I felt like that with my experience uh, that I was able to really get some insights to leadership and stuff. If you know people who are looking for um, someone to come in and do leadership classes and stuff, that's what this podcast is leading to. Um, what it does is it gives you an opportunity to check out my message before I get there, um, and I've got more. I'm holding back. I'm going to let you know. I'm going to give you a lot, but I've, I've still got a lot more on top of that, of my philosophy of leadership and how you really get it done and how to talk to your managers and stuff so that you're getting 
everything out of your company and your people and that they're understanding uh, how things are and really, again, what's the price of leadership? You know, I said it last week and I really didn't mean it. Uh, Money only buys the minimum for people. It really does. That's all it does. It buys the minimum for people and true leaders are the ones that get the best out of their people. Because how many times have you either heard it or said to yourself, they don't pay me enough to do this? How many times have you seen people just waiting on the clock to leave? Um, they only clock in right when they have to clock in. They clock right out and stuff. They're not really engaged within your organization. And I'll, I'll be honest with you. you now, there are some people who it doesn't matter what's going on. They will be the top percent of your company, whether they've got a bad leader or not. They're just wired that way. That is not everybody. Just like there are going to be people who are wired to be the opposite way, um, who are going to show up late every day and and give you less than what you pay for the minimum. Um, So leadership helps mold your organization it gives you the ability <clears throat> to become a top-tier organization. <clears throat> Excuse me. So this foundation of leadership that we're talking about, just like a house, if you don't have a good foundation, you put everything else in jeopardy. And when you're putting stuff in jeopardy, it could the price of leadership can be very high. So as I like to talk about stuff that happens in the news and some social stuff out there, um, I don't know how many people have heard about, hmm, I don't know, just on a little whim, Starbucks, a little something happened in the news. Well, I'm going to play you a little clip and uh, we'll, we'll discuss with the two men arrested at a Philadelphia Starbucks one week ago today. They were there for a business meeting. When the manager called 911, they wound up leaving the store in handcuffs. The video viewed nearly 11 million times, leading to protests, anger across the nation. I spoke with Rashawn Nelson and Dante Robinson and their attorney, Stuart Cohen, earlier this morning. Well, gentlemen, thank you very much for being here. It has been quite a week. It's been quite a week. Um, Dante, you both walk in. You get a table. Rashawn, how long was it before you asked to use the restroom? Uh, immediately, as soon as I walked in. And uh, she stated that they were for paying customers only, and I just left it at that at that moment. And the response was, you have to buy something. Yes. Then you go and find Dante. You're at the table. What happened next? Um... We're at the table. We sit down. We're just talking amongst each other. Um, she then comes from around the register, asks, you know, walks up to us, asks if, uh, you know, she can help us with anything. Can we start with some drinks or water or something like that? You know, for when we have bottles of water with us, so, you know, we're fine. We're just waiting for a meeting. We'll be out really quick type thing. Um, and that was it. So approximately 4.35, you arrive for a 4.45 business meeting. According to 911 accounts, a call was placed at 4.37, approximately two minutes after you arrived, to 911. What did you think when you saw police arrive, Dante? You can't be here for us. 
So when they do approach you, what do they say and how do you react? Well, initially, um, as soon as they approach us, they just say we have to leave. There was no question of, you know, was there a problem here between you guys and the manager? You know, what happened? When you were arrested, did they tell you what you were being arrested for? No, not at the time. We wasn't read any rights. Just double lock, handcuffs behind our back and escorted out and put into a squat car. Why do you both think that store manager called 911? Well, you, Robin, you're asking them to um, have an opinion about somebody else's intent. The facts speak for themselves. There's not a single witness that says that these young men were misbehaving in any way, and you can see and hear that on the video. Well, the video has been viewed almost 11 million times, and and part of it, Dante, you can see that you're talking to the police officer. What were you all saying to one another? I was just trying to, you know, process the situation to myself at the time um, because I'm thinking about my family that I have, my community. So in that moment, I'm trying to process what's going on because it didn't really hit me what was going on and it was real until I'm being double locked and my hands behind my back. Dante, did you at, at some point uh, offer to uh, call the person you were supposed to meet with? Because I, I know he, I, he's I shown did. on the videotape. Uh, After the first time, you know, they walk over and they say, you have to leave. I say, we're here for a meeting. What is the business meeting about? It's a real estate meeting. Okay. We've been working on this for months. What, what do you say to some people who say rules are rules, that Starbucks has a policy, you viol- violated that policy, the police asked you repeatedly to leave and you didn't. How do you respond to people who say that? What I say is I understand that. Rules are rules, but what's right is right and what's wrong is wrong. And that's in any situation, whether it's race involved, anything. And, and Robin, I'm sorry, but what is, what is that rule? Starbucks holds itself uh, open as a, uh, a place uh, for people to meet uh, and to have public conversations. Those are words from their website. The CEO so uh, after listening to that, uh, like Robin Robin said, I mean, that's been viewed over 11 million times. So if you haven't heard about it, uh, these two young men are sitting in Starbucks, just like said, and manager called police on them because they didn't order anything. Now, I know people who set up whole offices in Starbucks, um, <laughs> and they stay there forever. And maybe they order something, maybe they don't. Uh, Starbucks has kind of, you know, been a lounge like that for uh, years. <clears throat> it's actually kind of how they they grew a lot of their uh, their customers and stuff, uh, the free Wi-Fi and people taking meetings there and stuff. Um, the part of this I really want to focus on is the failure of leadership. And so when we talk about the price of leadership, what's the price? Well, so these two young men are doing, um, they have a lawyer, and uh, Starbucks is going to give them some Starbucks money, and I don't think it's going to go in gift cards. Um, And Starbucks, the CEO, uh, has decided that he wants to do some training, so he's actually going to shut down stores. I think I read like 8,000 stores. I would say all the U.S. stores. He's going to shut down stores in May, and so they can do some training. 
What is the price of leadership? Well, if it's bad leadership, it can be a lot. That one, one employee at Starbucks is costing her company millions of dollars because she had poor judgment and leadership. We can talk about the racial aspects of it, um, and we will. But just for a second, I just want to stay on the leadership aspect of it. So you got to decide when you're in a management position, what does my house look like? I don't know. I mean, like, my literal house is a ranch. Um, it's brick. It's built in the 70s. Maybe if it's leadership, <clears throat> I kind of want the same house. I want a house that has a good foundation that's been here for a while. Classic look. Easy floor plan. People can navigate it. Aesthetically pleasing on the outside. So people actually want to come in inside. And they want to visit my house. When we do the series where leadership lives, and yeah, I did just make that up on the spot when I said it the first time. But when we, when we do the series, um, I'm really going to focus in on the house and what it's built on. And if you really have the the idea of how you put these footers in with your core values, you lay this foundation to secure those footers. And then you start framing up your house and everybody's house because everybody lives in different places and everybody's leadership isn't going to look the same. You know, we're not, you know, I'm using these four pillars and stuff, but, you know, feel free in your imagination to move these pillars around and expand out your, uh, your foundation and spread it out because your framing might be different. You might need some extra frames over here. Um, and you can shape it the way that you want. And this one failure of having really good leadership, of being the person in charge that sets the tone in that Starbucks, she didn't just put her shop in jeopardy. She put her company in jeopardy. And once we understand that there is a price for the things that we do, especially now, it's, it's 2018, um, things are more apt to go out because if you continue to look around and stuff, there are people who are pulling up all kinds of Starbucks uh, stuff <laughs> from the past couple of years. There was actually one I saw here in Charlotte uh, where a, uh, a uh, black man, he was a reverend, working on his master's degree. He was sitting at Starbucks and was asked to leave, and he'd actually bought something. Um, they apologized to him when he, the manager was like, yeah, I was mistaken, but you still got to go. Um, that was a couple of years ago. So it just keeps coming up for Starbucks and that's why they're not, that's why the CEO, I think <clears throat> decided that he needed uh, some training and it was worth the day of profits to shut down Starbucks across the country to show that he was serious. And I'll tell you, uh, for the most part, uh, from what I've seen dealing with people, 
if you talk to the people who actually established the company, the people who are the higher, higher ups in the company and stuff, they don't tolerate uh, discrimination and workplace violence and sexual assault and stuff. They have no tolerance for it. I, I remember uh, being at a symposium uh, some years ago, and I was talking to one of the senior leaders in the um, International Guard, and when I tell you that he was absolutely, uh, you could feel the heat come off of him. Uh, this was when sexual assault was becoming a really big deal. And when he said there was no place for it in his military, he meant that. He he meant that from his heart and his being and stuff. He couldn't understand it. He couldn't understand how people who served uh, could do that to their brothers or sisters. Uh, he didn't understand uh, why it wasn't reported, why people were not pointed out. And he had a zero tolerance. If your stuff ever came before him, I I, I wouldn't even pray for you. It'd be useless. Um, he, he was, he was going to nail you to the wall. And so in my experience, those people are the people who on your upper echelon of your leadership and stuff, they get it. What you got to understand about this though, is that what I target is your old managers. Uh, because basically those are your teenagers who you've given the keys to your car and said, Hey, don't crash this. Don't drink and drive. And please don't text. Um, and a lot of them are doing all those things. And so when we talk about building these houses, we talk about this leadership and stuff. Um, that's what we're focusing in on because the price of that is way too high. It was more than a cup of coffee. Like everybody else that ever goes into a Starbucks, uh, she could have let those guys just sit there and hang out and stuff. And man, non-story because well, it, it should have been. And so, um, I will, I'm going to take the last half of this and I'm going to, I'm going to just go completely on my little social, um, rampage about this, about the Starbucks thing. So one of the things that, uh, people immediately do anytime this kind of stuff happens, um, but one thing they do is, um, is a young lady that filmed it and shared it, uh, said, she's like, the first thing people ask me, like, well, what do they do? Cause it's always gotta be something more. And, you know, that's kind of the burden of uh, being African-American in the United States is that there's always something more. As, you know, as we talk about with a lot of things being re-victimized over and over again, um, when you take a victim and you go, well, they're not really a victim. Let's dig into them to see, oh, sure, uh, Stephon Clark, uh, we, you know, he was doing vandalism. So the police didn't just show up in his backyard and shoot him. They followed him there and they shot him. So that's different, right? Uh, it's, not, it's not really different. It was vandalism. He didn't have a gun. Um, with these guys, you know, everybody wants to know what else did they do? Cause it couldn't possibly be that. And I'm, I'm telling you as a, as a guy that grew up in the South, uh, I don't care what you've heard. I don't care. Uh, that Barack Obama was the first uh, African-American president. I don't care about any of all that because I'm telling you that racism is still alive. It really is. And the part of the reason that this story actually went viral, because like I say, Starbucks has actually had lots of complaints. I mean, this wasn't really that much out of the ordinary. 
if you will take time and listen to everybody else is coming up with video and stories and stuff like that, hey, we've been denied access too. We've been kicked out too. Um, that's not really that new. But there was a Caucasian woman who filmed it and used her platform and it went viral. And then people caught on. And now people want to protest. And I'll tell you this. Uh, I've been to Starbucks. <sighs> yeah, I don't know. It's good call. I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm not a coffee connoisseur. Uh, will I drink it? Sure. I'll, I mean, I'll drink it. Uh, will I continue to drink it? Yeah, probably until I get a better alternative uh, to drink it. I mean, quite honestly, I don't go out of my way these days to spend extra money. So I hadn't had Starbucks in a while. Um, but I think um, it's important to understand just a couple things about Starbucks prejudice in America. And when we talk about discrimination and stuff, um, I think that uh, the protests are useless. Um, I really do. I, I, you know, I really just come to this, this whole conclusion that this stuff is useless. And the, the big thing is that we as a community, as a, black community, we can't sustain any kind of uh, protest. It was once said that the reason that the boycotts or um, when Rosa Parks was kicked out, refused to give up her seat on the bus and they boycotted the bus system is because it was sustained because it was a local focused boycott. If they had asked everybody across the country to do it, Probably would probably wouldn't have been the same thing. It's hard to get people, and not just in our community, but it really is hard and harder in our community. Um, there are a lot of uh, psychological things <laughs> that are going on that prevent the cohesiveness uh, that we need. But let's say for a minute that we could be cohesive because we have been when we had great leadership. And like I say, we'll talk about the different kinds of leadership out there and stuff because a lot of people like to talk about King um, and his leadership and stuff. And a a lot of people like to talk about Malcolm X. Now, I'll tell you this. um, I'm I'm not... um, I, (laughs) I support my own views, but... There are a lot of people who say things, and I listen to them, and I go, man, that's very interesting. That sounds true. So I'm actually going to play a clip from Malcolm um, where he talks about uh, businesses. Well, you know what, man? How about we just play the clip? If white immigrants can come to this country 50 years ago with nickels and dimes and no education, and come here and pool their little nickels and dimes and no education into, with, and set up little stores, develop these stores into larger stores, develop this into an industry which creates job opportunities for whites. Since Lincoln was supposed to have freed the black man a hundred years ago, and today the black man, according to the government economist, has spending power of $20 billion per year. We feel that with the black man spending $20 billion a year, not setting up any businesses, not creating any industry, not creating any job opportunities for his own kind, he's not in a moral position 
to point the finger today at the white man and tell the white man that he's discriminating against him for not giving him a job in factories that he has he himself set up. If the black man has $20 billion, and these so-called Negro leaders are such geniuses that they can integrate white restaurants and integrate white factories and integrate, force themselves into that which the white man has set up, they should use this same ingenuity to show the black people how to pool our wealth and set up something of our own. And then we won't have to force our way into his anymore. One more thing I would like to point out concerning what he said about 125th Street. We don't waste our time on 125th Street, but you can reach more people in the street who want to change than you can in the bourgeoisie society, the bourgeoisie church, and the bourgeoisie circles. We, our program is directed toward the man in the street. So we spend our time in the street, and what we do with that man, instead of trying to change the white man in your mind, make, up, make you accept us, we change the mind of the black man and make him accept himself. And as soon as he accepts himself, He'll solve his own problem. He won't be trying to force himself into your factory and into your bedroom and into your kitchen. Brother, brother Malcolm. Hey, um, what I got out of that was is that in the, the number for the black community that's spending powers, I forgot what the latest was, but it's definitely more than 20 now. Uh, I think it's 90. Um, the reason protests are useless is because businesses are actually designed to absorb those kind of things. When it was HMM with the uh, the monkey thing or whoever it is that's going to be this month, you know, I think the comedian Little Duvall, Paul Little Duvall, Little Duvall's bomb, but Little Duvall's like, uh, what we mad at today? And sometimes it, it feels like they're like, okay, what are we mad at today? Um, here's my challenge. And so here's part of my leadership and, and what I hope to accomplish in in, in my lifetime. I, I don't know. I'm not a Malcolm. I'm not a Martin. But what I do know is is that when you have your own stuff, you don't have to ask anybody else to play. There is nothing wrong with a community coming together and building itself up. I know because there's Chinatown. You go to New York. There's Italy and stuff. There are ghettos and stuff that uh, don't have the negative association that our hoods and AKA traps have. Um, what needs to be done is when you stop wasting time protesting people and organizing and doing trades. So one of the things I hope to do with my real estate license, um, because land is important uh, when you're talking about considering and uh, gaining and keeping wealth um, is to uh, become, I'm, I'm going to do my post licensing. I'm going to open up my own firm, uh, become a broker in charge. And the only thing you need in North Carolina to be a real estate agent is you need to be 18 and you need to be a good character. Uh, so, you know, as I, get my own stuff started, what I did then do is I reached back into our local communities, into our high schools and stuff. And for those kids that don't have an opportunity to go to college and stuff, um, we bring them in either real estate or through construction or through um, uh, 
HV, uh, heating and air or plumbing or whatever. Uh, there used to be a really big focus on uh, trades and apprenticeships and stuff like that. And I think as a community, we'd be well served to get back to that kind of stuff. Um, and it's inclusive. It's not exclusive. It's not just for us. You know, it's for, it's, you know, but, you know, if we can focus on making sure that that buying power we have, like I said, Malcolm, Brother Malcolm said, if you have your own factory, then you don't have to worry about asking somebody else to hire you in that factory. If you have your own firm, you don't have to worry about somebody coming to you and uh, discriminate against you. If you have your own coffee place, then you can sit there and enjoy that time and you don't have to worry about these kind of incidents anymore. You know, what has been going on is that, you know, and, and part of the the training that these guys are supposed to get at Starbucks in May is um, it's a bias, was unconscious bias, which in the South means racism. Um, <laughs> it is. Unconscious bias is, you know, now we like to think of racism as a more active bias, um, not our subconscious, what we've been told, but this it, it is what it is. And, you know, we can ple- keep painting it and putting funny names on it and stuff like that and, you know, uh, beating around the bush. But that that's what they're getting is that, you know, well, we're going to try to teach these guys uh, not to do that. And the irony is, is that the black employees are going to have to show up that day, too. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I really, I mean, that just it really, it makes me laugh um, that, uh that Jamal is going to have to show up for uh, training against racism. So, hey, um, to each his own. But as far as me and mine, um, I think that the real important thing to get out of this is is that it's going to continue to happen. It is. And we can keep protesting and you can be mad about stuff or we can just start building. I mean, everybody else does. And uh, Malcolm was absolutely right in terms of there are people who have come to this country with absolutely nothing. And in less than two generations, they have built and held wealth. There's a house next door to me. Um, I forget how many bedrooms are in this house because, uh, you know, the developer bought some uh, a lot of land next to me and stuff. And I'm like, man, the reason I bought this house because it had undeveloped a lot of land beside it. But, oh, whatever. I got neighbors now. Um, I suppose my neighbors like once, but I, I want to say they're Armenian. Man, they've got to be, and this is and this is actually not a dig at all. This is actually admiration. There are probably 15 adults that live in that house. They have uh, work trucks, ladders, and all. I mean, they are doing a very smart thing. They're not out there getting 15 adults, split them in half, say you get seven houses, you know, because everybody wants their space. Now, they are paying one mortgage. They're all living there, and I bet they're investing all their money back in their businesses. And they're taking the extra money that they, they would normally spend um, on electric and mortgage and all the water and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and they're splitting it between themselves. And the rest of the money, they get to reinvest in their projects and stuff. 
that's the kind of stuff, like I said, it's not the exact admiration. That's the kind of stuff. That's the kind of sacrifice. That's those that are the kind of attitudes that will win you things because you don't actually see anybody else protesting for rights. They just kind of quietly go, okay, well, that guy would not give me a loan. So you know what we're going to do? We're going to pool our money together as a family and as a community. And we're going to get some stuff done. I'm just saying that it's not unique and it's not impossible. And the examples are out there. And as soon as we can find some leadership, maybe there's a house out there that resembles King's house or there's a house out there that resembles Martin's house that we can see where that leadership lives and people can be attracted to it and come in and get a dose of that and can unite and build. The the time for complaining is long past. You know, if the mission, and it's one of the things I complained about, um, uh, and we were talking about Iraq because one of the things they were talking about was hearts and minds. They were talking about that crap for years and stuff in the military. We want to win the hearts and minds. Yeah, you can't. (laughs) <laughs> you can't you you can't buy uh loyalty uh you can't buy love and it's so easy to understand that when we talk about relationships but everything's a relationship and when we talk about leadership it's the same way again i don't care how much you pay your employees you can't buy their loyalty you can't buy their love good true leadership will get those things for you and when people are really invested in you and your company they will move mountains for you. They will. And they won't put you in bad positions like that manager put Starbucks in. On top of losing a day around the U.S. Uh, income, they're still going to have to pay those two young men. They are. They're going to settle out. Um, so it's important. That's the price of leadership. That's the price that we all pay every day when you step into the arena of being a manager and stuff. You know, hey, you know, I, I'll tell you this. I've been really good with uh, with uh, staying on topic and uh, trying to do stuff. So I'm going to give you guys a treat. I'm going to give you. I'm going to tell you a story. So we'll end we'll end this on a, uh, a goofy story, and that'll roll us out. And then next week we'll come back and we'll be serious again. We'll talk about leadership and stuff. And, uh, and this might actually kind of roll into a leadership, uh, a moment, uh, for you. So, uh, if you were done with the leadership stuff, Hey, have a good weekend <laughs> for anybody who wants to stick around one second. Let's give them a chance. Okay. If you're still here, you want to hear a story. So here's my story. So, um, I, I mentioned I've been in the military for a while and I started off in Delaware and I'm flying on C5 aircraft, uh, the A and B model, and had a great time there and made lots of great friends and stuff. And at the very end, um, my relationship with active duty kind of abruptly ended. Um, I mean, I did my whole time and I have, a, I have an honorable uh, discharge and stuff. But uh, the leadership there, um, which actually I'm, I'm going to save that part of it for another story. But um, in the uh, flying community, you... Uh, your last flight on the airplane is called your Finney flight. And so I got uh, scheduled a Finney flight <laughs> like two months before I was scheduled to leave. So I didn't get to ride it all the way out. So 
But um, not that it was too abnormal, but uh, again, we'll details about that later because it'll it'll fit into uh, some of the framing and stuff when we talk about leadership. Um, and so we just tell the funny part of the story. So I'm on my Finney flight, and actually it's a pretty good Finney flight. So for um, uh, geography's sake, uh, Dover, Delaware is on the East Coast. Um, that's where C5s are, and then the another C5 base is Travis, uh, which is out in California, so that's the West Coast. So those guys do uh, the Pacific missions, and the guys in Dover do all the Europe stuff, generally speaking. Uh, there's some crisscrossing there because they're, um, the Earth's not flat. Um, <laughs> anybody that thinks it is, please walk to the edge and take a picture. Because uh, I have flown around it a couple times, and I've just never seen the edge. Um, <laughs> but I have seen the curvature <laughs> of, the, of the planet. So um, it's actually a pretty good trip because uh, as an East Coast guy, I used to go east, but this actually is going west. So it actually leaves from Delaware, goes out to Travis, leaves Travis, goes to um, Hickam in Hawaii, goes from Hawaii to Guam, Guam to Japan, Japan to Korea, and then it goes back the same way. And so uh, I actually got to go with a couple friends of mine, and uh, they were like, okay, so here's the deal. It's your last flight, last time hanging out was and stuff. We are going to party every night. Awesome. Okay, you're not allowed to go to sleep. I'm like, man, that doesn't sound that awesome. Uh, no trust us. Uh, my trust, uh, the first morning uh, out of uh, California, the next day we got up and we went to uh, breakfast at Denny's and stuff. I went to the bathroom and threw up at Denny's. The trust is a very, very fragile thing, I'm telling you. So, and that is pretty much the the theme of all this. We go from stop to stop to stop. We go to uh, Hawaii next. We hang out all night and stuff. We go to uh, Guam next. We're in the streets. We're hanging out all night. And, and then the next day, I've got, I'm on the airplane. I'm, I'm performing. Uh, and this goes on all the way to Korea and all the way back to Hawaii. Um so I'm actually in Hawaii. We're in this club, and uh, anybody knows the name of it? I can't remember. So it was, it was, all I remember was downstairs. I'm a tall guy. I'm six four, <laughs> and I could touch the ceiling with my hands. And it was downstairs, and it was extremely loud down there because it was like in a basement. And um, for the life of me, I can't remember the name of this place. But me and friends have been running around, and we've been going hard. And by the time I got back to Hickam the second time, um. I probably had really only had about eight hours of sleep. I was able to sneak in some sleep here and there. Uh, I think in Korea, I got, I got like two good hours of sleep. Uh, that was awesome. Um, but uh, for the rest of the trip, I was really, really, really just going full out. And these guys, amazing guys, still love them today. My brothers, uh, that's why I'm not using any names. Um, but uh, we get back to Hickam and stuff, and I'm sitting there in this club, and I'm leaning against the bar, and um, I think I feel my organ shutting down. <laughs> I don't know if any of you had a, a, a life or death experience or you thought you were dying and stuff. Uh, I, I was like, oh, my God, I I believe that's my gallbladder. I don't know if you can feel your gallbladder, but if you've been drunk and tired enough and it starts shutting down and your organs start shutting down, you might be able to find it yourself. Um, so it was at that point I made the exact decision to uh, – to throw my towel in, and I said, you know what? So I I, I started walking around uh, trying to find my guys. and like, hey, man, okay, I can't play anymore. 
<laughs> tried to make it all the way back home. I've got to get some rest. I've got to go to sleep. I, I, I just can't do it anymore. And uh, so, um, so I was called some names uh, because they were still going strong. And uh, these guys are beasts. They've been doing a lot longer than me. And if you know me, I'm weak on that anyway. Uh, so I did, I did as long as I could. So, um, but uh, so I'm, I get back to the bar and I'm, I'm just kind of leaned up against the bar. I'm going to finish my drink out and I'm, I'm going to roll out. And um, there was a young lady right next to me. From what I remember, and this is 20 years ago, um, good-looking good brunette. Why not? Um, so good-looking brunette beside me and stuff. And my boy comes over to me and says, hey, man, Park, I hear that you leave. And I said, yeah, man, I got to get out of here, man. I, I, man, I'm tired. Hotel's only a couple blocks from here. I'm just going to hoof it back there, and I'm in for the night. And he looks at me, and he looks at the girl beside me and says, hey, man, you talking to her? I was like, no, dude, I'm not. All yours. I'll see you tomorrow. So I go back to the hotel. I get a great night of rest. Uh, I didn't die, which was which is awesome part of the story. So um, I get downstairs. I get on the bus, and these guys have beat me onto the bus. But they're in the back of the bus, and they're just laughing, laughing, rolling around stuff. I'm like, hey, guys, what happened? What did I miss? So they proceeded to tell me a story. So evidently, after I left, my friend, uh, he did inquire about the young lady. So I leave. He moves over. And he's like, hey, would you like to dance? He nods, yes. They go out and they dance. Dun, 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 dun. It's loud in the place. And I guess, I don't know, it was, it was, I guess maybe it was close to closing. I was delirious, so I mean, I have no reference of, of time and stuff. But they dance for evidently for a while up until closing. The lights come on, music stops and stuff. And so my friend's trying to talk to this girl. Well, there is a slight problem with that. Uh, she's deaf. Um, she's been dancing because she could feel the rhythm through the floor. And if you have some deaf friends and stuff, you, number one, you might want to stop this. But number two, um, I didn't know that you know, she could feel the rhythm and stuff. So she's been dancing with them and stuff. And, well, she's not by herself. It's like uh, it's a couple of girlfriends who happen to be deaf, and there's a couple – uh, of them in the um, the group that are not deaf, and so uh, my buddy um, is well, he's trying to chat up a deaf girl, and so <laughs> and he does a great job because somehow he gets the whole group to leave the club and come back to the lobby of the hotel. An even greater feat, he separates her from the group and gets her to come upstairs to his room. The best feat of this is is that he gets her naked in his room, and I guess they're in most hotel rooms have the big couch. They got the big couch out there, and uh, so uh, he's sitting down, and she's on top of him, uh, riding on top of him, they're having sex and stuff. And I don't know how long this takes. Um, I wasn't there, and no, really, this is not me. Uh, but, so evidently, at some point, though, she realizes that she's been up there for a little while. And uh, so shout out to all the ladies that uh, don't waste time and go, okay, I came up for a reason. I'm not going to play coy. But evidently, maybe she played coy a little too long, and they've been up there too long and stuff. And so she's trying to get up uh, so she can, she can leave. And I guess he's, like, holding her by her waist and stuff, and he's not quite done yet. 
And so she's trying to get up. He's holding her, pulling her back down. She's getting up. She, you know, he's, he's trying to pull her back down stuff. And she turns and she looks at him. She says, I can't go. I can't go. I can't go. Um, I don't know if you're laughing right now or not. But it was hilarious. Um, so here's your leadership moment. Uh, is that sometimes you can uh, convince people who can't see uh, in your vision and there are other times people who can't hear your voice, they can follow your words. Um, I have no idea what that really means other than I want to sound, sound a lot better than going out on that, but it's my new ending to this show. I gotta go. I gotta go. I gotta go. Hey, it's been another great episode. I will see you guys next week. Love, peace, and chicken grease. I gotta go.